Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. What's going on, people? You're here on Brain Foreplay for your 30-minute checkup from the neck up. Um, it's a mental Monday, and every Monday we'll come at you with a checkup from the neck up. We will chronicle different psychological protocols and practices and help you reach your true potential from the neck up so that you can be the best from the neck down as well. So I have a PhD in psychology. They call me Dr. P, P Dizzle, P Wiz, P Funk. A bunch of those nicknames are what a lot of my clients uh, call me. Worked a lot in pro sports, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, but also help everyday people reach their true potential. But this is your 30-minute checkup from the neck up on Brain Foreplay. Brain Foreplay is the name of the podcast. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about spirituality, and I don't mean in the religious sense, but I mean in the sense of how to reach your potential every day through different practices and protocols. I've had a couple good guests on at the beginning of my podcast a few weeks ago. Um, Super Bowl champion right behind me, Ryan Harris was our first guest, Sandy Clough, one of the best uh, sports radio talk show hosts in the world, very knowledgeable, very analytical, critical thinking. And then last week, I helped you leave your comfort zone. So today, we're going to talk about spirituality and how that can set you free. Because I think too many of us think that therapy looks a certain way, that coaching looks a certain way. But I want you to understand that there's a lot of different methodologies, a lot of different delivery points. And today, on your Mental Monday checkup from the neck up, we're going to talk about how spirituality can set you free. So first of all, let me talk about my coaching practice. I practice here in uh, the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. And, but I travel all over the United States helping people individually, teams, organizations on a corporate level. Do a lot of motivational speaking. So the next time you need to get people their best from the checkup from the neck up. I'm the guy to call. Uh, my producer is Noah. Noah's over here calling all the shots behind the scenes, helping uh, us reach our true potential every day, right? Is that, is that right, Noah? Oh, yeah, you know it. Hell yeah. <laughs> so let's start off. We here at Think One, T H I N K O N E, we have what we call protocol cards, and there's different cards that we have, we have approximately 36, 38 of them, and how we help people reach their potential. And today I'm gonna to talk about my spirituality card, and I have several bullet points I wanna I want to cover. But I want you to understand that, here, let me give an example of something that happened to me as a professional, as a professional coach. Um, again, number one, I'm a psychologist. I am a thinker, a processor and somebody who helps people achieve their potential through shaping their thoughts. Because if you shape your thoughts, your thoughts will not shape you. 
So you really take an active role in shaping your thoughts. But let me give an example of something that happened approximately 10 years ago in my practice. And what happened is I had a client come in and she sat down and I always have uh, give everybody a notebook when they do coaching with me. Um, we have these 20 some pages and protocol cards that they go through and we go through each page and one by one we, we have a ecosystem or a process in helping people um, learn these practices and protocols. But when she came in one day, you know, she said, what's up, Dr. P? And we just started talking and, 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 and chopping it up a bit. And she starts telling me this, this elaborate story about how her 16-year-old Labrador retriever passed away. And she started telling me story by story about her experience with the dog, how he climbed 14,000-foot peaks with her here in Colorado. I think we got 54 of them. Is that right, Noah? 54, 52, 54. And, you know, before I knew it, we were like 20 minutes into our session, 25 minutes into our session. And I remember saying to her, you know, um, love all these stories, love all your expression about, about your dog that passed away, but let's get started in our notebook. Let's, let's get to work. And she looks at me and she says, Dr. P., we are working. We are doing our work. And I stopped for a moment and I thought, you know, she's right. She's absolutely right because what she was doing was sharing. She was really divulging and being vulnerable in the moment to talk about how she felt about losing her dog. And so marrying that experience of her narrative around her experience with her dog with a protocol, with a technique that we have here at Think One, was really what was gonna help her in that session. So I remember stopping and thinking that stories, anecdotes can be very, very cathartic and healing. And so I started to think, you know, I'm gonna to put together a protocol card that has elements of anecdotal information, of storytelling. Um, for those that you know me pretty well, you know I'm part Native American, and the Native American part of me is I'm great at storytelling. I can tell great stories. Some of them are, <laughs> some of them are exaggerated. Um, people would claim, right? That fish gets bigger every time, right? But I put together this protocol card, and I said, you know, stories. Are therapeutic for people to tell stories are healing they're cathartic and we what we can do as coaches as mental enhancement coaches we can marry that with the content and really help them understand how to be their best from the neck up so number one um bullet point number one prayers can have cultural value and meaning and prayer, that word prayer, is a showstopper for someone. Ah, uh, Doc, I, I'm, not, I'm not religious. I'm not going to pray. A prayer doesn't have to be religious. A prayer can be spiritually based. And the prayer can fit what you want to pray about. 
Some people use the word God. Some people use the word Savior. Some people use the word Source. The Light. Whatever it is. But you can pray. And sometimes in session. I know for some of my NFL coaches, NFL players, a lot of them love to start our sessions with a prayer, end with a prayer. So we do. And again, not always spiritually based. Um, second one is chant. People can chant. We do that in the Native American practice. We have chants that we really use to help calm us and get us on the parasympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system. I've told you before, the autonomic nervous system, there's two sides, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is the side where stress and anxiety live. Parasympathetic where calm and performance live. So chants, and they can be any kind of chant you want. You know, there's a lot of us that chant within songs. But chants can be an element of coaching and therapy to help people really get in that parasympathetic side. I just mentioned songs. You know, uh, let me give you a short story of, of something with a former client of mine. Well, I guess, no, I don't really have former clients, do I? My clients are lifetime. And what I mean by that is, and by the way, when I see someone in my office here at Think One, we do 16 coaching sessions. Done. Done. Now, if they have a hiccup or bump in the road later, come in, get them tuned up, no charge. I do not believe in ongoing coaching. I just don't, I don't think it's ethical. I think there are certain techniques, protocols that we can teach people so they can reach their top level. But let me give you an example. I had a client come in. And she had saw me on, on a TV show, a local TV show here called Broncos Country, where I was talking about performance from the mental side. And so she came in and this particular client had really struggled in life. She had a, a couple of um, attempted suicides and really struggled on many levels as an adolescent in high school. And so when she came in to see me, she had, her, as her parents said, we've tried psychology, psychiatry, medication, you name it. She said, but she saw you on TV and she said she wanted to see you. So she comes in. First session we got together, sat at the table, closed the door. I got this big, long conference table we work at. And I said to her, pull out your phone. She looks at me and goes, what? I said, pull out your phone. Let me see your phone real quick. And she kind of got defensive, like I was going to go through her phone. I said, no. I said, pull up your favorite song. She did. Thank goodness I knew the song. And so I sang it. I literally sang it. And she looked at me like, oh my gosh. And then I said, here's my favorite song. I pulled out a song. My, one of my favorites, because I have so many favorites. And I literally said, have you ever been over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good? I mean, the macaroni soggy, the peas, mushed, and the chicken tastes like wood. So you try to play it off like you think you can. So I went on and rapped this song, and she started cracking up, laughing. And this is someone who her mom said 
had not laughed from the gut in a year and a half. And now in our first session, we're laughing. But more importantly, people were doing what? We're connecting and building trust. And so when we did the song routine, her song, my song, that really had nothing to do with psychology. But it had everything to do with psychology because it was building the foundation. It was building the trust. So songs, when my clients come in for sessions, I say, bring your favorite songs, bring some songs that really ignite you, light your fire. And then I also tell them, bring in a song that you really don't care for. And we're going to stretch their schema. Schema, by the way, S-C-H-E-M-A. It's how we organize information. You know, I hear people say, oh, my best friend, we, we think just alike. We finish each other's sentences. I'm like, how boring is that? I want friends that stretch me. I want friends that change the way I think. You think, Noah? You want them to change the way you think. You don't want people to be homogenous with you, exactly the same. We want them to be heterogeneous, stretches, differences. So songs can play a huge role in helping us feel good. By the way, when you listen to music, it literally changes brain chemistry. Oxytocin is released from the, from the brain. Dopamine. But when oxytocin is released, we call that the love drug. The love drug is the same thing that's released when we bite into that juicy burger. When we take a sip of, of wine after work to take, quote unquote, the edge off. Oxytocin. So we're largely a result in this life of brain chemistry. So songs play a role. Prayers, chants, songs. Number four, stories. Stories. And anecdotally, short stories, longer stories. That day when my client came in, she told me the story about losing her dog. Stories play a role in helping change thoughts, which lead to changing feelings, which lead to changing mood, which lead to changing behavior. That's a scientific trail. Thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to mood, mood leads to behavior, people, to the people, the people, the people. I want you to understand that. So, storytelling. In the Native American folklore, we've used storytelling for centuries to bring people together, to bring families together, to solve conflict, stories. But in modern Western psychology, therapy, we do not use it as much as I think we should. But in the spirituality realm, it has a place. And so that day when I thought we weren't, quote unquote, doing work, the real master corrected me and says, Dr. P, we're actually doing work before we dived, dived into my protocol book, my notebook that we use for our clients here. All of us have a story in our life. All of us. 
our journey, our experiences. In fact, that's what makes the difference between the brain, this thing right here, and the mind. The brain is the anatomy, the mind is the brain plus input. All of our brains are exactly the same, sans any kind of physiological challenges. Brains are the same. They become different with input, experience, education, etc. So our stories can really have a value within the spirituality of performance, of becoming our best selves. And when we're allowed to express ourselves in a story or anecdotal format, man, it could just light up our upper cortical structure and we're just, we're firing. We're firing on all cylinders. I know for me as a public speaker, as a motivational speaker, as an informative speaker, stories play a large role in my delivery. And let me tell you something. When I speak, oftentimes, often, because I'm, I consider myself a very authentic and real speaker, people come to tears. They're emotional during my presentations. So I know that stories change mood. Remember the chain I just told you? Thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to mood, mood leads to behavior. Your behavior is your performance in the world. Athlete, surgeon, astronaut, parents, whatever you do, jackhammer operator. Yeah, did you know that? There's some good jackhammer operators and some average ones. <laughs> There's probably some poor ones too. When you look at the laws of probability, right? Great, average, poor. The next one is culturally relevant practices and norms. Culturally relevant practices and norms. Now, here's where we're going to delve into a challenge that I think we have in the therapy world, the coaching world, the psychological world, the social work world. Approximately 95% of all psychologists in the United States are white, Anglo-Saxon. And for people who are white, they probably say, well, what does that matter? Well, oftentimes for people of color, brown and black, there are cultural differences. There are cultural tendencies that can change within cultures and subcultures. And some of the practices and norms are not always congruent with different ethnicities in a coaching setting or a therapeutic setting. Let me give you an example. I used to be a college professor before I embarked on my performance practice as a consultant with organizations, teams, and writing books and all that, all that stuff. And I can tell you this, when I was in front of my my classrooms, my audiences, I can tell you that the way I presented was in a very narrative fashion. I told stories. I expounded. A lot of people who communicate are linear communicators, very straightforward. A lot of people who communicate are narrative. Here's the research. Most Anglo communicators communicate in a narrative fashion. Most, not all. Most people of color communicate in a narrative fashion. Most, not all. But in that research, 
really what we want to do when we want to reach people, we want to communicate in a way they can drink our Kool-Aid. They need to be able to receive our message the way it was sent. And that's why sometimes when we get coached, when we get therapy, the cultural differences can be a barrier to that communication interlude. So I think it's really important to understand how cultural differences do matter. And when we deliver culturally relevant practices and norms that are relevant to the receiver of our message or our clients, the message is that much stronger. You know, here's, here's a, a somewhat disappointing statistic is that 83% of the people that mm -hmm. seek therapy or coaching are Anglo and white. So what does that tell us about people of color? They tend not to seek it as often or as much. Why is that? Well, perhaps there's not a cultural fit. Listen to my words, people. Perhaps there's not a cultural fit. But there are also cultural tendencies to think in the brown and black communities that maybe I don't need help, and that's a sign of weakness. And that's something that we've dealt with in pro sports for a long time. I deal with it on a regular basis with my clients. Because there still is a stigma to raising your hand and saying, I need help. My brother Julius Thomas down in, in Fort Lauderdale, he would be one to say that, you know what? We can walk into the training room and we can say, oh, my knee hurts, my ankle hurts, my shoulder hurts, and the trainer will say, jump up on the table. But if I walk in to the facility and I say, hey, man, I'm struggling emotionally. Man, I'm going through some stuff. There's some tendencies to look at the person sideways and go, whoa, what's up? Are you all right? And back in the day when I played, if you had done that, I think you would have been on the waiver wire the next day. You would have been cut. And so to quote Julius, he says, we don't have permission in the NFL to have emotional issues. Now, there have been strides made, especially with COVID. It's becoming more and more okay to not be okay, but there still is stigma. We can minimize the stigma with a cultural fit, with a cultural relevancy between sender and receiver of that relationship and that message. And so culturally relevant practices and norms is essential to helping people become their very best. And then the last one is one of my favorite. Animals as powerful metaphors. Animals as powerful metaphors. Now, how many of us grew up with stuffed animals? My son, my son Drake, we call him the achy drakey. My son Drake's going to get mad at me, but he's, he's 13. He'll be 14 in about 10 minutes. <laughs> no, actually he'll be 14 on June 7th, but he'll, he, he still sleeps with uh, stuffed animals and he's got some favorite animals. 
I have a stuffed animal on my bed, a, a silverback mountain gorilla. Ooh, beautiful, majestic animals. That's my favorite animal. But we can use animals as metaphors that really will help us feel calm, that will help us really reach our true potential in life because it not only calms us, it helps us feel comfortable, helps us feel comfortable. And so on my desk, I have what's called a, le a wood lead buffalo. And this wood is made out of steel, steel wood that is, and it's very heavy. But a buffalo is my metaphor. Let me give you an example. A buffalo is the only land animal in America that will walk into a storm. Walk into a storm. See the sun, sun I mean the snow coming away, and boom, walk into it. Horses, cows, the other domestic animals, they get the heck out of Dodge. But they will walk into the storm. That's my metaphor in life because that's why I keep it on my desk. Because I'm going to tell you what, when a storm comes, let's go. Let's go. It's time to respond. Don't run away from the storm. There's beauty in the storm. There's beauty in the struggle, to quote my man Tupac. But I'm here to tell you this, people. When you seek coaching, when you seek therapy, when you seek help to reach your potential from the neck up, your checkup from the neck up, today the Mental Monday focused on spirituality, and I'll review them real quick for you. Number one, prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be religious-based. It's spiritually-based. Design it for your life. Number two, chants. Make up your chant. Chants can be very soothing for the upper cortical structure of the brain and puts us in the parasympathetic, which is the calm side. Number three, songs. Songs change brain chemistry. There's no, there's no, there's no denying that. We have research to support that through and through. Stories, anecdotally or longer stories. Remember my story of how my client taught me that we were actually doing great work through stories. And then culturally relevant practices and norms. Make sure that when you seek, make sure that person doesn't, they don't have to be the same color. They don't have to be the same religion, but they have to have culturally relevant practices and norms to reach you. And then the last one, animals as metaphors silverback mountain gorilla the buffalo is mine in my life think of an animal that represents you that represents you feeling calm secure and safe and bring that animal with you to coaching bring that stuffed animal with you to your next therapy session so you can reach your true potential but i'm here to tell you this people the checkup from the neck up is real it's so real that it could be the difference in you reaching your potential and not. And I'm gonna end by saying this, people, 3,500 people die every day unexpectedly in the United States. So today, 3,500 people will die today unexpectedly. Are you exempt? I'm not exempt. So we've gotta ask ourselves the question, am I gonna live my life fully today? It could be the last day of my life. It could be the greatest day of my life. 
But those 3,500 people that will die today unexpectedly, car accidents, falling off roofs, heart attack, suicide, there's so many ways we have got to understand that it's our choice to show up every day. And my postulation is spirituality, not necessarily in the religious sense, but in the global sense, is the ticket to help us reach our potential. I want to say three things. I love you, I trust you, and believe in you. Thanks for joining us here on the Checkup from the Neck Up on Mental Monday. Bye, people. Make it somebody's day beautiful today. Don't forget to join us next week, same place, same time, to get your Checkup from the Neck Up, fortified by foreplay. That's brain foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.